as our young people are being dismissed, I wanted to point out one other hymnal that we have in our book, and that's 576. And so if you want to turn to 576, I will uh, lead that with us in just a minute. But uh, 576 goes with the message today in Psalm 23. Years ago, after the Civil War, there was a, a well-known uh, speaker, evangelist, and songwriter named Ira Sankey who had been involved in the Civil War. He was in the Union Army. And years after the war, he met a pretty rough-looking, weather-beaten man. And uh, the way the story went, it was like this. They, they were uh, traveling on a steamboat up the Delaware River, and someone asked Ira Sankey if he would sing a song. And he chose this song, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, and began to sing it. So I want to just uh, sing the first verse together with you, if if we can. And that's page 576. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us, for our use thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. The gruff old man that that met him, he said, after he sang that song on the boat, he said, were you in the war? And he said, yes, I was. And he said, do you remember being in a certain location? And were you on picket duty a certain night? And were you singing that song while you were on duty? And Irie Sankey looked at him and said, I was. He said, I thought so. He said, I was in the Confederate Army, and I also was on duty that night, and I saw you. And I said to myself, that man's a dead man. The moonlight's so bright on him, and I'm in the shade of the trees. And I lifted my rifle and pointed at you, and you started singing. And I thought, well, I'll let him finish his song. So I pulled my hand off the trigger and listened to you sing. And then I recognized the words to that song as the same words my mom used to sing to me when I was a boy. And I couldn't pull the trigger. Very unusual story, but that's how I want to open today's message as we go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, I think you've probably heard these words before and some probably have them memorized. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Last Sunday, our guest preacher preached out of John 10 and how that Jesus is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalm 23, the first verse says it all, really. And it is uh, a profound verse. Someone asked years ago, in my hearing anyway, they asked, which is the most important word in that verse? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Almost every one of those words are important. But which one is most important? 
Which of the words in that verse is the most important? My. Because unless he's your shepherd, you're in trouble. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, many will say, didn't we do wonderful works in your name and cast out devils? And, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, as was said last week, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The Lord is my shepherd and if he is your shepherd, you can say, I shall not want. Up in chapter 37 in verse 3 through 5, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I have a question. When do you ever see a shepherd beating his sheep? When do you see a shepherd neglecting his sheep? Shepherds don't do that. They're shepherds. And so if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, you can also say, I shall not want. I don't have anything missing or lacking that I need. He's got all of it taken care of. You say, oh, but I've got, listen, we'll talk about that in a minute as to why we have problems or why things are going on. But I'm telling you right now, the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, he takes care and meets my needs. My God will supply all your need, the Bible says. As was pointed out last week in John chapter 10, it says that he is the door and he is the life. In those days, the sheepfold would be made up of a rock wall, probably a circle of, of rock, and there'd just be a little gap in one, of, in one side of the wall, just a little entryway. And the sheep would be herded into that little sheepfold, and then he would, the shepherd would sleep in the door, and he literally was the door. And that's where you get the idea of over my dead body. In other words, you're going to have to cross over me if you're going to get to my sheep. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, he is the protection. <clears throat> He's the one that protects your sheep. Also, he is the only way in. You can't come in some other way. He is the only way into eternal life. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the door. He is the access to salvation. And it's through him. It's not through good works of our own. It's not through any other way or any other religion. It's not through anything but Christ and Christ alone. So he is the door. And he also says in John chapter 10, I give them life and life more abundantly, eternal life. He is their door and he is their life. Also in John 10, 14, my sheep know me and I'm and have known of mine. I, I know them. They know me. His sheep know him and he knows them. You can say the Lord is my shepherd, but as was said last week, is he saying it about you? Are you really his? It's easy to answer the questions. It's easy to say, yeah, yeah, I know about Jesus. And, and listen to me, just because you know about Jesus doesn't mean he knows you. Just because you know in your head who Jesus is and maybe you've gone to Sunday school, maybe you've heard the stories in the Bible about Jesus and you've got some education about Jesus. Let me tell you something. The devil knows a lot about Jesus, but the devil's not a Christian. Just because you know a lot about him doesn't mean you know him. There's a difference between knowing about someone and having a relationship with them. The Lord is my shepherd. And let me tell you something. Shepherd and sheep have relationship. Shepherds have relationship with their sheep. But that's why when they call, my sheep hear my voice. And they say, come sheep, or whatever they might say. I was reading about another shepherd who uh, <clears throat> would say, follow, follow. And he would say it in the Arabic language or whatever language he was in over there in the Middle East. 
and, and someone was watching this and, and they were amazed as three different shepherds and three different flocks all came together and shared the same watering hole. And then when one shepherd decided it was time to go, he stepped back and started to walk and he just hollered, follow, follow. And just his sheep followed, just his. And the friend said, hey, let me try that. And he said, let me put on your, your clothes and your turban and, 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 and he, tr- no, not gonna work. Not the shepherd. His sheep hear his voice and they follow him. Now, the shepherd sometimes will scold me. (laughs) The shepherd sometimes will direct me and tell me, but I'm telling you, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I know he speaks to me. I'm thankful that I know his voice and that he knows me. So when I ask you, is the Lord your shepherd? I really mean that. Is he, can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Not I know about him. Not I've heard about him. Not I have some verses memorized, but the Lord is truly my shepherd. And all I want to say is this, and I'm not God, so I can't necessarily say who's saved and who's not because I'm not God. But if he's your shepherd, it ought to be obvious. Because he doesn't allow his sheep to just go astray without doing something about it. He said 90 and 9 can be safely, you know, somewhere, but the one is lost and I've got to go find. That's the way the shepherd is. And there's no way that he's just going to let his sheep off do their own thing. He has serious count and pays attention to each one. So the Lord, David said, is my shepherd. And David was a shepherd himself, so this is just such a beautiful thing that God inspired him to write. The Lord is my shepherd. The Bible says that David actually wrestled a lion and a bear to protect the sheep. Let me tell you right now, if a lion or a bear came in my side, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't dying for no sheep. I, I, I'd be a little bit more selfish than that. But David... <laughs> wrestled a lion and a bear not at the same time but a lion at one time and a bear at another time to protect sheep you can see the picture hopefully of this shepherd who lovingly takes care of his individual sheep and somewhere along the way David was looking at these sheep and realizing how helpless they are and how innocent they are but how defenseless they are and thinking that's kind of how we are with that's how I am with my heavenly father he's my shepherd these sheep they just they don't think about what's going to happen next they're not planning ahead the shepherd does the planning they just follow me and I lead them to green grass and they that's, they don't know much they have no idea that I just wrestled an animal that could have killed me they don't even get all that all they know is is I'm their shepherd and because I'm their shepherd they don't really need anything It's an awesome way to live. And let me encourage you to think about the rest of this passage as we look at verse 2. He maketh me, and I'm just going to stop right there. If you go to Psalm 100, you'll see something there. In Psalm 100, it says in verse 1, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. God made us. We are his creation. Evolution is a lie. We didn't get here with a big bang and tadpoles didn't turn into frogs and turn into monkeys. No, it is not that way. God made humankind. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. And those of us who are proud of what we've done and accomplished with our hands and pulled ourselves up from our own bootstraps and we're proud of our successes if we happen to have any, I'm going to tell you right now, God helped you to do that too. God gave you the ability and the brain and the, and the health to accomplish those things. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Truth is, most of us has made, have made a mess of ourselves. I saw a video of a sheep stuck in a rut and they're yanking on his leg and yanking on his leg and yank, and finally they, they, they get that sheep free. He jumps out, he runs 10 more feet and jumps right back into the same rut. And I really like that video because that's what we are. That's exactly what we do. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. And over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Nobody in here saved themselves. You're saved. It wasn't you that saved you. If you think you're saved because you've been some religious something or other, you've done this or that, you're not saved. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 says, For we who are saved, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so even after salvation, if God starts to bless and starts to use us and starts to make something out of our Christian life, it is he that did it and not ourselves. We have nothing to brag about even of that. I don't have the right to brag about my salvation and I don't have the right to brag about anything that's been done since my salvation. It is his workmanship, not me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. He redeemed you. He paid for you. You belong to him. He made you. And so Psalm chapter 23, he maketh me. Now, I do think that the main context here in Psalm 23, verse 2 he maketh me is the idea of he's forcing me to do something specifically here. To lie down in green pastures. I was reading, I'm, I'm not a professional shepherd, but I was reading that sheep will not lie down unless they are satisfied. Unless they are full and they're content. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He's wise enough to know not to let me to overgraze one certain pasture because I, as a sheep, am so dumb, I'll just stay right there until the grass is gone. So he'll lead me to the next pasture before I overgraze it. But he maketh me to lie down. Listen to me. There are times in our lives where God is making us do something that we don't want to do and 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 then leading us to realize, you know what? I really am content here. This really is where I need to be. I, I was so nervous and upset and yet God is the one that leads me and so it leads me beside the still waters they say that sheep won't drink from moving water I don't know why 
I've drank from moving water before. It didn't scare me. But apparently sheep have to have it nice and calm. Why? They're sheep. <laughs> Somebody said, you notice something about NFL football teams or any, any team. They never call themselves the San Diego sheep. Sheep are just stupid and defenseless. There's nothing exciting or magnificent about them. They're just sheep. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That reminds me of Psalm 46.10 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. You know what? Somebody would like you to just be running around all the time. And you know something? No matter how many more conveniences we have, you know, like wash machines and microwaves, we're running around more than we ever have before. You know what I believe? I believe that back then when the old days when women would take the laundry and go up and down the washboard like this, that's pretty monotonous. I mean, how to, what a fantastic thing to have this thing that whirls around and pushes a button and does all that for you. And yet, and yet I think that those people were a lot more calm and a lot more at peace and had a lot more time than we do with all of our modern conveniences. And besides all that, you know what you do? And day after day, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. You have time to actually meditate and pray. Be still and know that I am God. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that being busy means we're getting more things done. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And verse 3 says, He restoreth my soul. <clears throat> he restoreth my soul. In <clears throat> chapter 42, there's a verse. I'll turn there as I I'm put this screen down here in a minute. I want to show you a picture. Chapter 42 and verse 5 and 6. It says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Just the other day, a picture came across social media. And it was a picture of Shrek the sheep. I read about Shrek several years ago. And I think another another picture of, of just like Shrek has popped up now. There's another story just like this one. They found Shrek the sheep years ago. He had been running around loose as a runaway sheep for six years. The average amount of wool that is sheared off of a sheep is a, about 10 pounds or less. Once in a while you get a 15-pounder, but typically the average poundage of wool from one sheep when shearing is under 10 pounds. Shrek had 60 pounds because there was no one to take care of him. He was a maverick running around doing his own thing up there in the mountains. And they finally caught up with him and they brought Shrek down and they sheared him. I'm going to tell you something. He looks like a great big huge Nerf ball with four little feet sticking out the bottom and a nose sticking out the front. He looks like a freak. And when they shear 
him, they find twigs and rocks and all kinds of things. He's heavy. And like a turtle on his back, it's easy for Shrek to get knocked over and can't get back up. That, can you imagine when that stuff gets wet? See, a bunch of us, we know more than the shepherd. And so we're going to prove that we know more. And we're going to handle it on our own. And for six years, Shrek is walking around with all this weight on him. Why? Because he got away from the shepherd. Either one of two things for most of us. Either he's not your shepherd and you need to get saved. Or if there's problems, he is your shepherd, but you haven't been following him. And you've been doing your own shepherding. And you kind of look like Shrek. And the word cast means to be cast aside. To Literally, they, they can actually get themselves knocked over and just kick those legs until they run out of energy to kick anymore. They said it only took 28 minutes to get all that wool off of him. 28 minutes to shear all of the problems. If we would just learn to follow our shepherd rather than getting off on our own, we wouldn't have these issues that we have in our lives. He restoreth my soul. I wonder if there could be someone like Shrek who has just gotten away from the shepherd. Maybe you are saved and only you and God know that, but maybe you just need him to restore your soul to get you back on track the way it used to be at one time. He restoreth my soul. It goes on to say in verse number 3 and 4 of Psalm 23, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now question, who, who does he do the paths of righteousness leading for? Whose sake? His name's sake. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for whose sake? For his sake. Now, is it for our sake too? Sure. But it says for his name's sake. And so he's going to take us on paths that we might not necessarily go ourselves. We're not going to go that direction. But he's going to lead me in paths of rights. I mentioned a minute ago that a sheep, if, if left alone, he'll just graze and graze. A whole flock of sheep will just graze the meadow to nothing. The shepherd's smart enough to know we can't stay here very long. We need this meadow time to rejuvenate. And so we're going to go over the next hill. It doesn't matter how nice it is here. We're going over the next hill for a reason. He might see that there's enemies lurking about in the in the ridge and across the tops of the of the tree line. He can see what's going on up there, and he says, "We've got to move on." But whatever the reason is, it's for His name's sake, and it's His will. And so it says, "He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake." Verse four: Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff they comfort me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That means they are the right paths. Can I tell you right now, the right paths are not the easy paths. The right paths are not the most smooth and convenient paths. And certainly the right paths are not always downhill. But they are always the right paths. And he leads me and it says he uses his rod and his staff sometimes on me. Uh Uh-oh. That sounds like spankings. That sounds like like maybe he's going to goad me or he's going to prod me once in a while or he's going to maybe use his hook to, to yank me back to where I need to be. Yeah. I was with someone yesterday who's dying. They're 
going to be in heaven soon. One of our members, Cassandra. And I was able to be with her for a few minutes and I started quoting this psalm. And she was repeating what I was saying. She was more alert than some of the other times that others have visited. She, she was, and she was repeating what I was saying. And I got to that verse four and she said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I don't, I don't really like being spanked, do you? But I'll tell you this. Not being spanked is very unsettling. I wonder if anyone here understands what I'm saying. Getting spanked is a is a problem. But a much bigger problem is not getting spanked. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Because with every touch of them, I'm reminded he cares. And I need some direction. And I need some, maybe some motivation to change my direction. Thy rod and staff are a comfort to me. He allows us to be disciplined. That's a good thing. Our society has lost the concept of discipline. We define it everything as abuse. If you love me, you let me do whatever I want. Yeah, and, and be like Shrek. That's not the God of the Bible. He has a rod and a staff. And he uses them on his sheep for a reason. Not because he hates them. Not because he wants to hurt them or kill them, but because he wants to direct them and help them and protect them from themselves a lot of the time. And he goes on to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? I know that his way is best and the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, I don't see what this is going to do good for me. It might not be necessarily something that's going to make you look better, but it will make him look better, and it is something that he wants us to do. If you don't understand that, let me show you a couple places in the Bible. Go backwards to Job chapter 13. Job chapter 13. Job was one of God's sheep. And Job said in Job 13 verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. If you know the story of Job... God allowed Satan to do a work on Job. And Job said, even if he slays me, and even if he absolutely brings me to defeat and loss of everything and even my life, I'm still going to trust him. If that's what he wants to do, I'm okay with it because I'm going to trust him. We just started teaching on Joseph this morning in Sunday school. A boy at age 17 years of age is being sold as a slave into Egypt by his own brothers. And somehow, Joseph didn't quit God. Joseph didn't get angry at God. Joseph somehow understood that God is still in charge. What an awful thing. He spent the next 13 years. He didn't get out of slavery in prison until he was 30. See, sometimes these paths of righteousness that he leads us on is for our testing. 
Job said, I will come forth as gold. I'll still trust him. One day when I'm done being tried, I will come forth as gold. I think it's chapter 23.10 that says that. And so for our testing, and and Joseph said to his brothers after the whole thing was over, years later, 20-some years later, Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for, God allowed that evil thing to happen for a good purpose. But Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20, the same thing that Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is wanting sometimes to allow his sheep to go through some testings and some trials. It's not the path I would have chosen, but it is the path of righteousness, and it is for his name's sake. It's for his testimony. And so the second, not only for our testing, but our testimony. It could be that God is allowing us to go through these rough paths of righteousness to teach us a lesson. And 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 says this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted is for your consolation and salvation. What is that saying? It doesn't say in verse 4, who, who protects us from any trouble. It doesn't say, verse 4 does not say who protects us from any trouble. And says, instead it says, who comforts us, comforts us in all our tribulation so that we can turn around and comfort others when they have trouble. On our hope ministry on Friday night, it is so important that we, all of us, open up and become transparent and say, God allowed me to have this in my life and I chose this as a stupid sheep and I went this direction. And it is a miserable thing to even talk about sometimes, but you know what? Here's the glory of it. He brought me through and he comforted me. He delivered me through it and I'm on the other side now. Why? Because there's somebody else out there that needs to hear it. I know that there are young people all over, including in this building, that have a split-up home and their biological father and their biological mother do not live together with them. And it is a constant heartache and a heartbreak and just a wound that is hard to heal. Why would God allow that? And why does that have to be? Why? Can I ask you a question? Are you the only one that has... Split up mom and dad? Could it be that he wants you to learn how to get the comfort you need from him so then you can tell someone else where you got it? Could it be that you have cancer for one reason and that is so that you can learn to trust God anyway so that when someone else finds out they've got it, you can tell them, hey, this is how I got through it. This is what keeps me from going insane. Could it be that you had a spouse that walked away from you and you don't understand why God allowed that to happen, but sooner or later you're going to find someone else with the same problem. And I don't know why God leads us into some of the paths we have to go through. But I know this, 
He never leads me in any other path but righteousness. It's the right path. And it might not necessarily be be that it's going to make me look good necessarily, but it's going to make him look good if I'll follow him. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then it says there in verse 4 of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. I mentioned a minute ago that we have a loved one who is dying, literally dying right now. The pain meds have been increased so much that a lot of times she is not able to focus and she can't concentrate. But for whatever reason, yesterday she was clear and I could, I could con- converse with her. I already told you that she was repeating some of the verses that I was quoting to her. And I said, Cassandra, I said, one of these days, when you open your eyes, it won't be me you're looking at. And I've told her this before. It won't be me you're looking at. It'll be Jesus. And can I tell you, it's as if someone flipped a switch and the whole face went. And the blue eyes sparkled and the teeth were bright and smiley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's going to do a miracle and I'm going to live longer. No. Because he's going to make sure I get all the way through the other side. And I might not necessarily be able to see everybody behind me anymore, but I'll still have him because he's my shepherd. His presence calms my fears even in the valleys of death. And then lastly, verse 5 and 6, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What I love about being a Christian is letting God feed me. Now, I'm not saying that I sit at home and wait for God to send people to feed me. I'm supposed to do work too. If you don't work, you ought not eat, the Bible says. But we're living in a day where everything costs twice as much as it did five years ago. We're living in a day where everything is just seems harder and harder and harder. And yet I'm telling you right now, in the presence of my enemies, and the Bible says Satan is as a roaring lion, walking, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And in the presence of Satan, he still provides my needs and prepares a table before them. In other words, I'm just picturing it in my little childlike brain that I have. I'm just picturing these sheep eating at the table that the shepherd has prepared. And off in the distance, there's a lion, and a bear, a cougar, and the sheep. Waving at the enemy. Because as long as he's there, as long as he's there, it doesn't matter if they're there or not. And what it is is a testimony to the enemy. He can provide a table in the wilderness. 
He, he can do it all by himself. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Again, so that he gets the glory. And so they are, are dismayed at the fact that, he, boy, if that shepherd was, just wasn't there, I'd have, those, I'd have me a lamb chop. But that shepherd keeps me from going down there. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. My understanding is, is that shepherds sometimes would take their sheep and just one-on-one and they'd comb through their hair, especially through their wool, especially through the head, the, the very uh, top of their head and right where their eyes and ears or nostrils are and, and they would just comb through everything because if they got any kind of bugs or insects in there, those bugs and insects and things could get into their ears and their, and their nose and their eyes. and So they would comb through that to make sure there wasn't anything hiding in there and then they would anoint them with this special oil and that oil would, detra- would dis- disturb and not allow those insects to get in there and would cause those insects to, to not want to be there. Thou anointest my head with oil. How come you're not harried like other people? How come, you, how come you can get through life without wanting to do some drug or something? Because I got his oil. And he's anointed me and continues to anoint me. And I need it all the time, including right now. I need his anointing oil in my life. When he sees that his sheep are stressed, he knows what to do, and he takes care of them, oils them up again. And verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He abundantly supplies my needs, and he guarantees my future. This is why if people read this psalm at at funerals, but it really means nothing if the person wasn't a Christian. But surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I won't be the last one to go. There'll be others coming up behind me as well. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'm telling you right now, some of us aren't being good testimonies of him because we're not following him. There are Christians that have got 60 pounds of wool on. And they're flopped over sideways and kicking and they are not getting anything accomplished. There are Christians that are not walking close to the shepherd like they ought to. And they figured out some other way to get things done and they figured out some other way to get their meals and they figured out some other way. And, and I'm telling you right now, they all come with strings attached. But right now, his shepherd just very dependently here at Mountain View Baptist Church, we are an independent Baptist church. What that means is, is that we are not connected or under any authority of any other denomination or church or anything. However, even though we say we are independent Baptists, we are independent, you know what we also are? Extremely dependent. Independent of man, but dependent on him. And can I just close with this? It is the only way to live. It's the only way to live. And if you haven't noticed, everybody's dependent on somebody. And I'd much rather be dependent on him than social services. I'd much rather be dependent on him than grant money and handouts. 
I'd much rather be dependent on him than on some other drug that's going to give me a little peace and rest for a while. If I can be dependent on him, it really doesn't matter how much gas is. If I can be dependent on him, it doesn't really matter how many enemies there are. So I ask you again, is he your shepherd? Because what you depend on will will really tell that. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that fact, I shall not want. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I have a question I want to ask, a couple questions. First of all, would there be someone here that would say, Pastor, I I heard you say it and and I want it to be so, but I I can't say for sure that the Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't know that for sure. I don't have any guarantee. I don't... When it says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, I want that to be me, but I don't know. Several years ago, the same lady I've been talking about, who's now on her way to heaven soon, sat out there in the foyer with me after everyone had left the building and we just talked about salvation and she prayed and asked Jesus to save her. After showing her from the Bible what she needs to know and what she needs to do. And that's an invitation for you today. If you can't say, I know the Lord's my shepherd, I know it and I know he knows me. If you have doubts about that, I'm asking you to consider talking with someone about it today. Whether it be me or my wife or someone else in our church that would sit down privately with you and explain and answer questions. Would there be anyone that say, Pastor, I'm not sure, but I'd like to visit with someone today about salvation. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Just, Pastor, that's me. I need to talk with you. I need to visit. Anyone at all? Not sure I'm saved. And then secondly, if you know that you are saved and he is your shepherd, do you see yourself in some of those situations? Getting away and doing it your way and not sticking close to the shepherd or not appreciating what he's trying to do. The way to happiness is to follow him, not get ahead of him and not lag behind, but to follow him. And you'll not want. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to preach it and teach it again today. I am not worthy. We are We are sinners, but we are sinners saved by grace. Lord, all of us at one point were lost sheep, and you found many of us, and you have saved us. And you are searching for the rest of them. And if there is someone that isn't saved, and they're just troubled by it, that they would just finally humbly come to the shepherd. And I ask also for those of us who have become proud or self-sufficient to realize it's not going to work that we would humbly allow you to shear us of our silliness and take the weight and the load off of our lives and allow us to be able to be functional again. Lord, help us to be ever reminded that we, like sheep, need to stay close to the shepherd. And thank you that you patiently and lovingly are wanting to do so for us. And we pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.